When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Agenda Podcast, the podcast where you, the listeners, set the agenda, you, the listeners, send in the questions. I'm Ian Kroll and I'm joined by big bad Conor O'Neill. How are you, Conor? You okay? Afternoon, Ian. You okay? Yeah, not bad. You're off to Barcelona tomorrow, I hear. I am indeed. I'm escaping for the weekend. Oh, interesting. Any uh, any plans yeah. while you're over there? Trying to recruit Lionel Messi, I think it'll be the big one. Oh, you're going to be... Uh, well, that, that, that'll be very, very interesting. If, if... I, I think it'll be a combination between Marcel Brands and Steve Walsh for all the wrong, all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Decent I, Ming. I think if you if you do that, you go down as an Everton, Everton fan legend. <laughs> yeah, I think I would, yeah. Have you got any plans to go and uh, watch a game or anything? Like I am that? going on Saturday to play Celta Vigo at home at the new camp. I am going to watch. I've been before to watch them there, so... It's nothing new, but it's still quite spectacular. Like when you when you do go, nice little Scotland trip there, then. Yeah, for Champions League next year when we kick get our season kickstarted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, firstly, we've got business to attend to. We've got plenty of questions sent in via the Royal Blue Facebook page. Um, just first of all, I'll, I'll ask my uh, own question. You, you you went on on Sunday. What what was your what was your feeling after the game? Um, I don't really know what to feel. I didn't really know what to feel after the game. It was mixed, really, because in, in so many ways, such a boring game of football produced so many talking points. Because I think from a total footballing perspective, it, it was two poor struggling sides playing out against one another. Mm-hmm. Because there was you know very little in terms of you know action, match action. Um, so it was it was mixed, really, because. And obviously you've got the kind of you know the anger and the, and the fury immediately after the game of the tackle and you know Mark Nackett's refereeing performance, which was quite poor. VAR again, you know, leaving more questions than answers. But I think from a football point of view, it was, it was quite mixed because you didn't really see any from Everton like you thought inspired you with confidence or you know give you a bit of courage or. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, I know we're gonna we're gonna look at the the, the main talking points, but you know this weekend's game now is is huge. Because we've got to, we've got to beat Southampton. We've got to go there and 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 beat them and get three points on the board. Because you know our next two games, Southampton and Norwich, mm. are absolutely massive. When when you look at where we are in the league table, the points we've got on the board, etc., it's absolutely massive. Um, because like we all know, like we've we've all spoke about before, we've got that daunting December and Christmas period where we do have a lot of tough fixtures. So yeah. you know we've we've got to get six points from the next two games in my eyes and. I don't really think you see enough on Sundays, I think, but yeah, you know, we, I'm confident that we can get six points off the next two games because it, it had in some ways gone back to that little bit of like laboured, people not really knowing what, what what to do in the right positions, you know, mm-hmm. final third being, you know, a lack of a lack of, of cutting edge in the final third. So 
it, it's a big weekend now, but obviously there's a, there's a lot, a lot of talking points before I think we even touch on, on this weekend of, of what we witnessed at Goodson on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll get to it then. Plenty of questions um, for us to get through here. And uh, one of the hot topics over the weekend, uh, it's been a hot topic. When I say hot topic, you know, I don't mean it's a popular topic. I just mean it's, you know, it's just rife at the Everyone minute. Everyone has so, an opinion on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so VAR and Bridget Bryson's gone straight in with a question. What was the Premier League's reasoning behind doing VAR the way they do? Oh, I think obviously she means without the monitors. Well, my, my understanding of it, uh, and it was that it was to do with the time. They didn't want the, 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 the time issue of... Mm-hmm. A referee almost going to the to the VAR referee, video referee, whatever you want to call them, because there's so many variations what people, and then having to go and look at a monitor in addition to, you know, the initial conversation of the replay. Yeah. So that was my idea of why it was done like that. My understanding, but in truth, I don't think anyone actually knows what's going on. Do they? I don't think anyone is actually 100 percent sure. In what a way, the rule is why it's being brought in, and what what it's actually doing, and what we, what we aim to achieve. It seems to be causing more confusion rather than helping out the matter, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it does. And I, my, my issue my issue with it is that I think you, you look at far and referees, you know, whoever's in that far truck is a referee. Whoever's making them calls is a referee. Now, them referees are a close, tight-knit group. You know, one imagines that they're, they're probably all very close mates because they wear together on a daily basis. Yeah. They, they spend time together. They're probably the only ones who actually experience what it's like, you know, and, and understand what it's like to be in the situation of a referee. And yeah. so my issue with it is, is that it'll take some, and obviously, you know, Lee Mason done that with Anthony Taylor, uh, Brighton. but for me, I don't think a referee, a VAR referee or whoever, a VAR official is going to make a call to put the referee under the bus. Because you look at Martin Atkinson, you know, the other week where... Around field eight, sorry, against Liverpool, against Manchester, Old Trafford. That is probably a foul on Divock Origi. But Martin Atkinson stood over it, waves play on, then goes to VAR. Now, if his video referee overrules him and gives a foul, he's throwing him under the bus mm-hmm. because he's basically saying, You got that wrong, and you got it wrong right in front of your nose. You've, you've got that wrong. Now, if your mate in the ease, you're meeting someone who you've, you know and you, you get on with, you're not going to do that because you're going to think to yourself, Well, I don't want to throw my mates under the bus, so I'll just go along with it. There needs to come to some sort of solution. And my opinion is that they should use VAR, but the referee should be given a chance to go and look at the monitor. It's almost like a guidance of... Did that work in the World Cup, though, when when it was implemented? I mean, well, I think it works a lot better than what it's working yeah. now, isn't they're it? They're doing that in Europe, European Champions League yeah. fixtures as well as European leagues. I just think it'll make it easier, because I think there's more chance of the right calls being made and steps being followed properly, if the VAR referee's almost saying to the referee, look, I think you might have got that one wrong here, mm. my advice is go and look at the monitor and see what you think. Yeah. Because at the minute, we're seeing we're seeing now where the referees don't want to overrule. It, the video referee doesn't want to overrule the referee because he's, he's, it's his mate, he doesn't want to throw yeah. one to the bus. He doesn't want to hang out to dry and say, you've made a shocking call there, you know, and, and everyone, and especially, you know, you talk about incidents that sometimes happen in the, you know, the fifth minute of the game. So then that referee has been overruled after five minutes. He's still got 90, 85 plus minutes left to officiate. Yeah. I, I just think they need to come to some sort of solution to, to fix the, the, the cut almost because the, the, we've got a concept that's just not working. The, the reasons behind it, bringing the concept in, are right. But the initial concept and how it's being managed on a weekly basis just isn't working. I mean, you say that 
yeah, I don't think you you know you're far off it from the VAR referee doesn't want to overrule the the on match official referee, i.e. you know the, the mate in inverted commas. But you've also got a situation now where the referees are just letting these decisions get bypassed, so the the VAR will just look at it, so they don't have to make a decision as well. Yeah, well, that, that and that's an issue as well because I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a rugby league fan. Obviously, rugby league's had video technology for for a long, long time, but there is an issue now with rugby league where. It almost feels like the referee on the pitch doesn't make any calls because he just sends everything upstairs because it's the yeah. easy things to do. It's, yeah. it's the it's the it's the thing of well, I don't want to you know, if I don't send it up and it's the wrong call. I'm gonna be absolutely hammered, so I'll just send it upstairs. And we have got to avoid that as well at the same time because we can't we can't just carry on. Mm. I mean, we've got to come to some sort of solution faster because the way it's going at the minute is it's terrible. I mean, the whole game experience. I mean, I, I was at Goodison Park on Sunday. It was dreadful. Mm. You just you sat there and you don't know what's getting reviews, why it's getting reviews. You know, you think of the Delhi Halley on ball. We, we probably no, sat there for what four minutes. No one knew what was happening. No one knew that. what was going on. We just sat there for four minutes. You know, something needs to happen quickly because the the the, the fan who's getting hit the most is the paying fan. The paying fan who pays his hard day money to go, and that's not right. And, I, and I'm just saying this from you know the Everton blue tinted spectacles perspective it's happening across the whole of football yeah absolutely you know football's not a cheap cheap you know hobby anymore is it you know <laughs> you have to work bloody hard to go and watch Premier League football on a weekly basis the whole day is expensive if you know for no, the yeah. so you can't have people paying hard earned money to go and have it ruined by someone who's in a truck and you know that it just doesn't for me it just doesn't seem right and they need to come up I mean I think it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks now because there's a couple of meetings this week I, I believe We've obviously got the international break two weeks, but that's the time they need to implement something. Come up with a sort of plan and say, well, we know we've made mistakes. Mm. This is what we're going to do now to rectify it because something needs to be done fast. Well, the fans are the ones suffering first and foremost. I, I completely agree. But you have to also have to look at you know managers who are you know under the, under the pressure, under the cost. Marco Silva, prime example. VAR has, has basically cost his team, our, our team, four points over the past two league games. Then four points would have propelled Everton right up the table and things would have been looking a lot different if we'd have got them Yeah, points. absolutely. I, I, I personally think that one of, one of my biggest gripes from, from the weekend was, was not the whole, you know, Son Gomez was saga, was the way we kind of just rolled over and, and took, you know, more VAR kind of screwing us over because, mm. you know, for me, Silva should be sitting there now saying, you know, absolutely. He's been a, an advocate for it, hasn't he? He's backed it. Well, he has, but he could, he, he could still turn around now and say, well, this is this isn't enough enough. No, this is, this is costing my team. I mean, mm. you know, I, I know he, he spoke about respect and stuff like that, and, and that's great. But in two weeks' time, Marco Silva's out for a job because, you know, if results don't go his way, is he still going to be looking at that VAR in the same in the same Because, like you say, down four points now, we could be sitting on 15, 16 points now. That, that's a massive difference from the 11 what we're on and that will show all us right up to the table so for me I think Kevin should be doing more to actually cause to come out and say well we think we're being our done to be like we want we want answers because it, it, it's you know it's a, it's unfortunate when one mishap happens against you but to continue to happen on a weekly basis mm. and cause not to go your way you do start to think you know are we just a guinea pig here you know are we just a club who the authorities know won't kick off when a call does go against us, but at the same time, we're a big enough name where we can kind of trial and edit stuff. I don't know, but I just think the club needs to do more now because it, it can't keep happening. Mm. It can't keep happening because it's, it's screwing us over. I mean, you know, if we, we would get beaten by Southampton, 
the weekend, they go level on points for us, 11. Mm. You could be looking back at the end of the season and say, well, them, them four points that we lost were, were massive. So, for me, the club have got to do more. I think Silver's got to lead that charge because I think now, because the, the beauty Silver's got now is if he did come out and, and, and hammer it, is he'd have a lot of support from people in the media because you look at, like, Jamie Carragher, for instance, who's you know one of the biggest pundits, media personalities in, in this country. He said himself on, on, on Sunday, he was a big advocate, because of it, he, he, he thought it should be implemented. He, he, he felt all along that it needed to be brought in. Really, he said that enough's enough now. You know, I'm fed up. And he wanted to, you know, he wanted to give it a chance before you know everyone else was like, no, it's not going to so, work. So, so Marco Silva was similar along them lines, and that he wants to implement. So the support is there, and I think Silva needs the, the, the club and Silva needs to make a stand. Okay, well, we've already talked about VAR far too much already in this podcast, but thanks for your question, Bridget. On to the next question. What are your opinions on Richarlson's antics? And that one is from, from Matthew Kane. Um, Matthew, so just Matthew also adds, in my opinion, he used to be very clever with it, going down when he, he had to, but now he seems to want to do it at every opportunity. Do you think it's costing us? Well, first of all, first question, I think Richarlson's antics are extremely, extremely frustrating. Um, it's clear for all to see um, what he does during the game now and... You know, when he takes a little knock, he just seems to go down like he's he's been shot and he's in severe pain, which, you know, only he will know that. He, he might be in pain. His, his, his pain threshold might not be as high as, as other um, as other players. But, yeah, I, I hate it. It, it, it. it does me head in. Um, I think he's it, it is costing us because referees are looking at him now. But I also think he's been singled out this, this week. Um, he's not the only one to do it. So he's been singled out in the media and again it goes back to is he being singled out because he plays for Everton because there's there's a handful of players who could pick off the top of my head that'd do it, namely ones who play across the park and they seem to get away with it and they seem to get the decisions all the time. It's it's very, very frustrating. I think Richardson just needs to concentrate on his game. If he gets fouled, then yeah, he, he gets fouled. Don't be going down too. You try and stay on your feet. If you're in pain and, you, and you, you're on the floor, just try and suck it up a little bit. Try, try and get up because the, there was moments on Sunday where he did go down and we needed him up on the pitch, but he, he was like riding around in pain. And yet that that type of situation cost us, but I just don't think it's it's Richardson and to single him out is, as, as the lone person and player in the Premier League is, uh, is disgusting, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I felt on on Saturday, it's like Sunday where where I I was in the main stand. There was there was groans mm. almost every time Charles went went down, and it was it felt as though the, the tide was changing a little bit in terms of people were just fed up of him, mm-hmm. you know, seeing him on the ground. But then you do look back on you know the highlights, and he probably should have a penalty. Oh, he definitely should have had a penalty. You know, he should have a penalty. But that's where it's costing us, isn't and, it? And maybe he also should have had a foul where he, he knocks the ball past. Um, or Davison Sanchez yeah. in, in the dying second. So, I mean, in, in my opinion, I, I think on on Sunday, Martin Atkinson refed with Charleston and he refed him, refereed him with a reputation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, he refereed it, it, him as it, a kind of, he's got previous, he's done it before, I'm just going to wait for him every time he goes down because, he, and that's where it is costing us and that's where you do hope that Marco Silver is having a quiet word and saying, well, look, you are getting fouled. Yeah. But if you stop going down every possibility, every chance you think you've got, and just went down when you're actually kicked, we'll get a lot more success from it than what we are right now this minute. Yeah. Because at this minute, we're getting nothing because referees are coming with a perception in the mind of, well, he's known for throwing himself on the floor. 
you know, he's just gone down too easy. He's not strong enough, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and we had I, a very similar situation years ago with Andy Johnson. Exactly, yeah. When, when Andy Johnson died for a, for a penalty, which was then crucified in the media. So mm. I, I think, but I don't, at the same time, I think that's wrong on Martin Atkinson's point of view because you shouldn't be rep- refereeing with a perception and with an agenda in your mind of... Being Marnie as well, wasn't he the first first player? To be retrospectively given ban, a two-game yeah, ban for, for, diving, for diving, yeah. Which he didn't dive. No, he was, it's not a blatant clean. Blatant. We've seen a lot worse since since exactly. then. But for me, I just I just think it's kind of like the lesser two evils now because... You, it is frustrating. It's frustrating. And there is times where he does go down far too easy. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you've got instances where, like, say, you know, Martin Atkinson refereeing the weekend refereeing with a clear agenda and a clear, you know, kind of point of point of order almost in that. He's not going to give a Charles anything because he's of the belief that he's a diver, which is wrong and that should not be happening at England's top flight. So Richarlison, if you're listening and you're a fan of the Royal Blue podcast, stop and stay on your feet. <laughs> um, next question from Martin Jarvis. In trying to find positives from the Andre Gomez injury, where there are clearly very few, does this mean that Tom Davis should get a run in the team? Well, I think Tom Davis is going to get a run in the team because he's one of only two fit centre midfielders that we've got at the minute because there's obviously question marks over Fabian Delph for the weekend who, mm, who appeared to pull up with a hamstring injury, I think it was, on, on Sunday. Down leaves Morgan Schneiderlin left within, within the ranks. So <laughs> I think Tom Davis is getting his in for a, a long run in the team because there's, there's very few options and there's pretty much nowhere else to turn. But I do think in in, in respect to Davis, he has been impressive the last couple of weeks. I thought he had a you know an okay game on Sunday. I thought you know his pass for Walcott, mm. Walcott's opportunity was was, was superb. Um, so hopefully you know he'll be a bit of confidence and he'll he'll be able to take his chance with two hands. Okay, John Wardle with the next question. Can we make a formal complaint to Mike Riley, ref head, West Ham disallowed being a Brighton pen given spares two pens etc. Or do we need to continue to be a nice club, soft, easy target? We need to stand up for ourselves and call it out, or will it continue to happen to us? Might cost Marco's job. Um, I mean, in short, John, I, I, don't, I just don't see what the point would be. I mean, you, I, th- I would hope I wanted Silva to come out and make a bit of a stand um, after the Tottenham game, and like you said there, you know, show a bit of fight, and this is his time. I think that's the time to do it. I don't think there's any point in making a formal complaint because in terms of VAR, we're not the only club suffering with it, are we? Everyone seems to be suffering with it. Um so in short, I, I just don't I just don't see what the point would be because I just don't think we'll get anywhere. They'll just they'll just fob us off and, and that'll be it. See I disagree. I think okay. we I think we should. I think we've got to be seen to be doing something. Mm-hmm. I think we we can't just lie down and so I just take it on the chin and go, oh, well, you know, there's always next week. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the point now where we, we do need to start making some sort of noises in the stand because let's be, let's face it, you know, if it was some, if it was a club in the top six, you know, they'd be singing from the shot from the rooftops over stuff that we've experienced the last couple of weeks. I mean, you know, you, you look back a couple of years ago to Pep Guardiola at Manchester City when I think they played Cardiff in an FA Cup tie and, and Cardiff were being quite physical and, and got stuck in. And, you know, Guardiola said afterwards, you know, it's a disgrace. Uh, I want to have a, a, a meeting with the, the 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 authorities because my team are playing, trying to play the, the the game the right way, the, the beautiful football. And we, you know, we're, we're almost being you know kicked off the pitch by a gang of folks, mm. um, and all of a sudden, City started getting aid got a meeting to discuss it, and you know, and got told that thing is going to be implemented and stuff like that. So 
in my opinion, we need to go down the same route. I know, okay, they might they might palm palms often and not show any interest, but at least you're showing a bit of fight, at least you're showing we're not just banging our heads in the sands and, and sort of saying, Oh well, well we'll just take that because, you know, we've got a reputation of being a nice club and yeah. everyone likes coming to Goodison, it's lovely and friendly. Well I think we need to show a bit more ruthless side and a bit more, you know, be a bit more aggressive in our approach and say, No, look, enough's enough. You know, I believe that there is a manager's meeting, I think, at some point or some some sign of manager's summit. Mm-hmm. If Mike Rally's there, I hope Marco Silva's at the front of the queue <laughs> when he, he, he gets his chance to speak to him and he asks asks some questions because there's a lot of questions that we need to answer, ask that need answering. So we do need to start making a stand here, in my opinion. We, sh- we At least we show some sort of fight and we show some sort of comeback and we don't just sit there and take it. People would then feel a little bit more appeased, should we say, more, more than anything. Okay. Um... The next question is from Ian Price. Is that it for Marco? How much are we going to miss Gomez? Um, I don't think that's it for Marco, obviously, because he's still on the job. It Potentially, it could be it for Marco after Southampton, depending on the performance and obviously the result. So, I know we got we head into an international break then, so there is there would be, you know, calls for, well, this is the right time to make a change because we would have a, a significant amount of time to, to, to approach um, other managers. In terms of how much are we going to miss Gomez, I mean, I, I think it goes without saying that. We've only won football matches this season when... Andre Gomez has been on the pitch, and when he hasn't been on the pitch, we we haven't won football matches. So I think that's 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 it. We're not we're not a club with you know huge amounts of talent like that with with Andre Gomez. Don't get me wrong, we we have got good players, we have got talent, but for a, for a player like Gomez to to run the game and make things taken over, and you know picking out that pass and scoring the odd, the odd goal, that's what that that's what Gomez is, and. We've we've definitely lost that, and it's going to be a struggle. I am a little bit worried with the fact that Gomez is he's not going to play again this season. It's it's not it's not good, and we're going to need someone to step up and, and fill that void. Tom Davis is he is he the one to do that? I think he can do a job. He's not going to do the the, the Gomez job. We've mentioned it on a couple of podcasts in the past. Whether it's the right answer or not, Sigurdsson dropping deeper. You know he is a good footballer. He's his work rate. He's, he can pass. He can he can shoot from long range and score goals. I think that could be the person to fill the void deeper as a deeper role rather than his you know his preferred number ten. But whether Silver sees that, I don't know. But we are we are going to be in trouble without Andre Gomez. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's a massive massive blow, and I think. The only slight positive is that it all seems to have gone quite well. The, the operation. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and hopefully, he's on the road to recovery yeah, yeah. Sooner, rather than, sooner rather than later. But I think it just, you know, sometimes managers in football are just destined to, for no luck, aren't they? And I think, you know, you look at Marco so far this season, you know, anything that probably could have went wrong. Kind sometimes of, it's better to be a lucky manager, isn't it? Kind of has gone wrong. I mean, you, you look back at last, you know, a couple of weeks ago where, you know, Bernard just getting back to the showing the type of form that we all believed he was going to produce, you know, pulls up with a knee injury and, you know, you just you just couldn't write it in many respects. No. And I think, you know, in terms of is that time for Marco, is that it for Marco? I think Sati is massive. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that'll go a long way to decide whether it, it, it's time for Marco or not. Okay, there's your answer, Ian. Michael Sullivan with the next question. Is the atmosphere at Goodison a worry again? Question mark. Without Martin Atkinson and the VAR fast igniting the ground, our play was so passive against Spurs, a team devoid of confidence and without their best player. 
there was hardly anything to get us pumped up. Where was our high tempo and pressing game gone? Other I mean, I, 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 I must admit, you know, the atmosphere. I agree, though, that even against Watford, the atmosphere was was bad and it didn't, in the first half at least anyway, and then I agree with that, it didn't ignite until VAR decisions and refereeing decisions started, mm. you know, having an impact on the game. Has that always been the way it could have some park, though? Like, certainly, I feel like it has been ever since I've been going. I think... I think sometimes your team have got to give, you know, the fans something to shout about, haven't they? And I think, for being honest, we haven't had enough to shout about over the last number of years, have we? You know, it's nope. so it's always mid-table mediocrity. So why yeah, are you going to shout, to, I, shout I, about that? And it's always been a kind of case of like not much really going on and not much really happening, and and that's always got an effect on the atmosphere because you know if you're you're going to games thinking we've got a real chance to take, and you know if we, if we win we go into the top four or. If you've got something to, you know, you're a spring in your step. Like you say, you know, for us, it's, it's kind of been mid-table mediocrity, nothing really happening. People aren't going to get excited about that, are they? You know, this is, and, and this is, again, you know, it comes back to the, you know, this is a team that's cost over £300 million. Pounds, so you, you should have more than more 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 than that going on the match. You should be thinking, you know, this team that should be pushing top six, playing exciting football and yeah. getting on the front foot. And it's so far from the truth. And, I think in terms of our high tempo pressing game, I think that's been in for a while, though, hasn't it? I think you know, you look up West Ham, where we, we did play high tempo and it was really you know really lively. And I remember coming on, I remember saying on, on this show afterwards, you almost felt like that had it had to become the norm that type of performance at home, not the expect not the exception when it really really matters most for turn out the bag. And since then we haven't you know. We've, we've haven't really done that in, in any of the games we played. Have we? we? Haven't played that no. exciting brand of football. So I just think as Goodison lost its way a little bit, yeah. But I think the whole clubs kind of lost its way a little bit and come a little bit dis maybe dis, disorganized, a little bit disinterested mm-hmm. because you know we're looking at now we're, we're in November and we're nervously looking over our shoulders at the wrong end of the table. You know, and this is the team at the start of the season and after the close of the, the, the window where you're thinking, you know, if we get our act together and we get up, you know, we could be right up there with a chance. And, yeah. you know, you look at the likes of Leicester's, Leicester's for instance, you know, flying high. And you're watching Leicester thinking, God, I wish this was us. You know, these are everything that I want us to be. So I think that has an effect on the atmosphere because people are just going there and they're not bored, but they're not expecting nothing. And... I think it's just, it's almost to the point now where it just feels like it's it's becoming a grind already. And that's where Marco Silva's got to address things or whoever, if it's not Marco Silva, someone, they've got to they've got to get something, they've got to get them back on side, the fans. I mean, you, you look at last year, the, the home form really picked up after the derby. But let's face it, we only, that atmosphere was like that because we didn't want to roll over and get battered and, and basically hand them the, the chance of the title. Yeah, You know, and that's what kickstarted off. But it almost feels like this year we need something again to kickstart another run like that off. Yeah. Now, whether that be a new manager or along them lines, I'm, I'm not too sure. But it, it, is the atmosphere a worry, Goodison? Yeah, I think it is. But like I say, the, the players have got to give the fans something to show sports after. They can't just expect people to turn up in the, the droves become me yeah. and be bored. I mean, you know, certainly that Watford game, you know, that was one of the worst first halves of football I think I've watched in a long, long time. For for. For nothing happening, and this Sunday was probably the same. Like I say, you know, if you take the, you know, the VAR instance out of it, Mark Atkinson's, you know, woeful decisions and and Gomez's, you know, horrific injury. 
if you're just analysing the actual football, you'd be you'd be bored, you'd be struggling to to, to pick things out to talk about because nothing happened. Yeah. You know, we give the ball away once they scored. We put one good cross into the box and scored. <laughs> you know, and that was it, wasn't it, from, from a football perspective? Because you can't really remember clear cut chances. No, no. You can't think back of that was a key moment in the game or I think Richard's another shot, didn't he? Which but was, again he virtually stayed at the keeper. It's a shot. It's not you know, it is yeah. so I I think you you've got to give people you've you've got to do something to make people get on the edge of the seats. And at the minute we we, we don't do that. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. Andrew, Anthony to. Roberts Jr. asks, is it time to give Toast not run a game through the middle? Still think he's our announced natural finisher? Um, not, not against giving Toast a run of games in, in the mid, in the day as, as, as the main centre forward. I think we've got players there who can have, have more of a, an impact than him. But he obviously is a goal scorer because he, he does score goals for Turkey and he seems to score every time he plays for Turkey. I just don't think he suits the, the style of play that Marco Silva mm. wants to or is trying, trying to implement. And the biggest concern for me is that Tosin goes, in a from a Marco Silva point of view, he goes up to the very bottom. So what, what I mean by that is one minute he's, he's not even in the squad. Yeah. To... Next minute he's coming on to to save the day against Tottenham. I, I mean, how how does that even how does that even work? He, it, it, he's not even like on the on the edge of, of pushing for for a place. And next minute he's he's, he's coming on to, to to try and save you three points. Okay, he did save us um, a point on um, on Sunday, and it was a, it was a decent header goal. I just think sometimes some of the subs that Silver has made, I'm not criticising all of them. Some of the point, the subs that he's made, he just throws them on without really a, a plan. Yeah, and it's just we'll just throw that striker there, and we'll, I mean, I think we ended up with, you know, at one one point, and Tosin was on the right, Dominic Cavalier was on the right. I don't know where anyone's playing. It's a it's a lot of confusion, and I just don't think. I mean, it worked because we got we got a point, but I, I don't think that is the the correct way to go forward. I I, I wanted to succeed for Tosin. He obviously likes it at the club because he's been given opportunity to leave and he, he wants to stay. So I, I, I still think at the moment Richarlison is still our best player to to play in you know that that lone striker role. Although I do think he was isolated in that four three three formation on on Sunday. So I think Silva needs to look at. He just needs to get the the best and the most out of these current crop of players, and he's he's currently. Well, he's only ever, he's only done that once this season, and that was against West Ham. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but that was Richarlison up front, was it? To and uh, a Wobie in in the in middle. The ten. Walcott and Bernard on right. either flanks. So obviously, you know, there's a sticking point there with Bernard who's injured. Um, I think a Wobie wasn't great on on Sunday. He obviously, gave the ball away for, for the goal. Felt he did a lot of running around without. Without, chicken. Yeah, without much yeah. happening. I just think he's got to find. He's got to at least try and fall on a system, whether it's by luck, fall on a system that 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 works, and he's got to do it quick. In terms of Tolson, um, I think he's still going to have a big part to play over the over the course of the next season. I mean, the big thing for me with Tolson is the way he just does seem to shoot up the pecking order and then just shoots back down. Because I, I must admit, I was very surprised on. On Sunday, when he was given the nod to come off the bench first, mm. I, I was very surprised that it almost felt a bit like we did desperation in the Absolutely, fact that yeah. you know it was for Walcott. I thought was having an okay game. I don't think he was like amazing, but I thought he looked a bit of a threat going forward yeah. at least. 
and then we took that threat off. Crazy. Next question from Liam Fitzpatrick. Do you think Mason Holgate should keep his place against Southampton? And if so, what does that do for the confidence of Michael Keane? 100% they should keep his place alongside Jerry Mina. I think they, 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 they paid him done well. Yeah, They look like the form and a, a good partnership they, they, now, they, even they, better they, than they, Keane. They've they done they really well on Sunday. and they, they, they were good in the first 40 minutes against Watford in the Carabao Cup. Uh, I was in, impressed. So, yeah, what's to do with the confidence of Michael Keane? Well, he's not played well enough to really have any say, has he? You know, mm. He's not been good enough, so... Until he improves, until he you know he gets better and he, he stops making stupid mistakes that cost us goals, then kind of a place on the bench is all he probably really deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Ian Ferguson, should there be an independent panel to appeal referee of our performances? <laughs> I think we've talked about VR <laughs> far too much on this podcast. I think that's that's just you know you, you'd be checking the checkers and checking the checkers of the checkers. I think you know that's. Um, we need to get the, the first check right, first of all, and just start getting yeah. that, that process right. I think if you start getting independent panels and to appeal referee and VR performances, um, I think it just it overcomplicates things and then it'll be like, well, we're not going to know about that decision for like a good couple of weeks and then by then it'll be like, who even cares? Because it was, it was weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't put it past it coming in if VAR can then prove to be successful. Um, but at the moment, no, I wouldn't. Stephen Grady asks, with Gomez out for a long spell, Bernardo too, do you think our January plans will change? They need creativity and quality. We have all talked about and are now being amplified with our, we are two more skillful players out. Now we may only bring one in or two in. Who would you prioritise? It's a tough one in January because I, I just don't know what we're going to do because I, I still feel like we're going to be hampered by financial fair play. Um, you know, it's, it, we obviously still going to need to try and sell players before we, we make it. You know any more expenditure? I know we were meant to be in for for Zaha with a, a 60 70 million pound bid, um, but that was only ever 52, wasn't it? I think well, it was yeah, 55. It was but never... I still don't even think it was real to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely, I, I still I still can't get my head around that. I don't know, don't know where it came from. We obviously, I, we obviously need reinforcements, and I just don't know where, where it's going to come from. I mean, you're obviously going to look at the midfield now. Who are we be going to be able to get on a, a short-term, you know, deal, or even a loan deal that is going to be able to match up to mm-hmm. the likes of Andre Gomez? I think what we need to do is get Bernard back. I just read an article there that he could be back by Norwich, um, if not Norwich, certainly the, the following week. So Bernard back. Gomez is out for the season completely. So obviously that that is goes without saying. And then we've got um, Gabaman obviously coming back potentially in January. So. We 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 will need to get him up to speed as soon as, as soon as possible. I think, I just think we're just going to be hampered by financial fair play, and I just can't. I'd be very very surprised if we go out and spend big on um, a player. I really will. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. Next question then, Bradley Rettler. Will Silver be sacked if and only we're in danger of relegation? I think Silver could be sacked if we get beat on Saturday. Is Saturday to be honest? Well, that will then and that, say that, we're in well, danger of relegation. Yeah. So, and I think Steve Steve Hill asks, "Is VAR helping? Just helping the Sky Darlings? Well, I don't think it is. Oh, sorry, I missed Steve's I, question. I, I don't think it is. Cause I think Carragher and Cole have actually been quite critical of it and have actually slammed it for, for what it is. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he asks, "Is Silver safe? Are we going to be in a relegation dogfight? My opinion is, a lot depends on Saturday and the Norwich game because if we don't take six points from them games." 
there is a possibility that we could be in a relegation dogfight. Yeah. By Christmas. Because of the games we've got to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. But again, I always go back to that that point of we have always played our better football and got our decent results under silver against the, the top six teams. One question here, which again from Bradley, uh Rettler, which I I have missed out, but I will ask because it is a good question. What do you think Mashiri has learned from the sacking of Cumin and subsequent disaster of a, of an Allardyce appointment? Well, I think the the, the sacking of Cumin is probably not just what Mashiri's learned, but what a lot of fans I think have took from that is hence why there's not so much more pressure on Silver than what there already is. Mm. Because I think if we hadn't had the sacking of the Cumin and the chaos that it brought for them six weeks and <laughs> while we were, you know in limbo lands pretty much of where we were going next yeah. I think people would have been asking questions now of Silver and, and saying probably but because of the way it all transpired back then that puts people off because people think well we don't really want another six weeks of total chaos mm-hmm. you know we can't afford another six weeks of total chaos because the games we've got coming you can't you know we can't be having one play, one play, one person in charge who thinks he's going to get a job but then doesn't get the job and vice versa so I think we learnt a lot from the second of Koeman in the sense that yeah. people don't want to panic. The disaster of an Aldice appointment, I don't... And we've got an 18 contract, but It probably wasn't a disaster, though. I think that's harsh. I, 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 think, I think... I know we've got an 18 contract, but I don't think he was ever getting kept on beyond yeah. him. I think that was just a sweetener to get him in the time because he wanted him because he knew what he, he could bring. He actually... he done what he was brought in to yeah, do, yeah, I suppose, in so some, harsh, res- some respects. Even, I'm not saying um, I advocated for him, but... You know... It's not the it won't, it won't be the the greatest memory of Everton's long history, but I do think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it it's you know I do think it's a fan, it's kind of left fans questioning what to go next. I think yeah. I think more than I think I think I think I think I think Mashiri well, with Silver. I think because he put so much time, effort, money, everything into bringing him into the football club, he's desperate to work. And ultimately, well, he can't afford, you know, really, can he, can he afford to have another manager who he sacked? Because that would be three successive managers who he's appointed and will have sacked within an 18 to two month year spell, which doesn't look good, does it? If you're yeah. the owner and you're doing that, that doesn't look very well, the good. The pressure will turn on Mashiri. So then people will turn on Mashiri. So I think ultimately, we've le- we learnt a lot, but that could all change with a defeat on Saturday to Southampton. Okay, uh, Matthew Barry with a question. I think we have answered this, to be fair. I've answered it anyway, and I think you you um, added to it. Is it time for Everton to send a delegation to the FA Premier League and demand, demand answers about the decisions given against Everton? I mean... Well, I, I'm, if, I'm, you I'm, said I'm yeah, for that, yeah. yeah. I, You're I, against it, yeah. I've, I've only... I've got your back, Matthew, don't worry. I, I only said no just purely for the fact I just don't know what good it would do. That, that, yeah. That's all. I agree about Silver should have come out and fight and stand up for the cause and, you know, supporters, players and team and, and, and the fans, but I just don't I just don't know what good it would do. Maybe maybe I'm just feeling a bit full on myself and I just think, what well, what's the point? Yeah. Callum Lapsley asks, do we need some hardship in our club to get the players to show... More fire in their belly, more desire. Could it be the kick we need to, although obviously terrible for Gomez, it could spare, excuse the pun, us on as a club. I was thinking about this after Gomez got injured, and obviously you want Gomez in your team. He's your best, he's your best midfielder. Um, but sometimes in life, when incidents like this happen, you do rally round, don't you? And things mm. can take a turn for, you know, the better and put a bit of bit of a positive spin on things. So. Uh, you know, in my wisdom of hope, you know, hoping that, yeah, that we will, you know, hopefully turn the season around. It has occurred to me that maybe this week 
despite the players probably feeling extremely low. But, you know, that we could turn things around. And obviously, we've seen one or two pitches of Gomez back at Finch Farm, which is obviously great. Obviously, he's in a cast and on crutches, nowhere near. Yeah, that, that's not a clue for. Is he, could he make it in a couple of No, no, absolutely. Is he going to be, be fit for the, the, Carlin, the, the, <laughs> Carabao, the Carabao Cup, Cup game? Um, so, yeah, but I just think, you know, seeing stuff like that does help and it is positive. And, yeah. you know, we do it for Andre and, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I hope so. I, I, I really, really hope so that that, that is the case. Next question from Tom DeGroff with Gababandan and Guy gone. Is Beningami ready for a real um, first team chance? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's, he, could be, he could be the only option, couldn't he? I think we'll be off on the ground, but you know, we're on bare bones at the minute. So, yeah, I thought he impressed, obviously, you know, at 18, 23 level. And he initially first impressed when he kind of got us first round, didn't he? Uh, David Lundsworth, sorry, I think you think back to that game against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. Where he was, he was impressive at Stamford Bridge. He he done well against Watford on a Sunday, um, and then I think he kind of got caught up in the probably the 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 lacks within the first team squad. If you remember, we, we kind of after that we fell off a cliff, did me a little bit with mm. the results under the way we were well beaten at Leicester, well beaten at Southampton, you yeah. know. So I think he kind of he was just unfortunate that he was a part of the the ship that was at that point sinking. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even on the rocks; it was sinking, um, and it probably would have been. A, Probably half for the lab because it's going into that type of environment where you're not used to, you know, obviously with the 23 at that point, he was used to winning. Yeah. To yeah. go into that environment where, you know, you, you're in a team that's really struggling and it's getting overpowered and stuff. And I think it's been unfortunate the last couple of, you know, certainly the last 18 months or so with injuries, etc. They've, they've kind of bogged them down a little bit. But yeah, that'd be, you know, be good to see him get some first team minutes and hopefully, you know, stick a claim for moving forward. Absolutely. Oliver Evans asks, with all the doom and gloom, one recent highlight has been the emergence of Sidibe, looks a player, and we've taken up the option to sign him. What do you reckon? I mean, he's, he's certainly um, in good form. I think he's he's warranted his place ahead of Coleman. I think the reason Coleman started in the in the cup game over Sidibe, I just think Silva was trying to sh- um, shuffle the pack a little bit, wasn't he? Which I, 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 I didn't mind. Um, obviously, Coleman's the captain and you, you you fully expect your captain to be playing week in week out, but if he's not, you know, cutting the mustard, then mm-hmm. I think Sadib. Pardon, yeah, pardon, pardon the pun. I didn't want to say it, but you know, um, I think Sadib is more than qualified to, you know, to, to, to mm. be ahead of Coleman. I think because he wasn't playing, there was rumours that you know the loan could be cut short, and I think AC Milan were meant to be interested. But as far as I know, other than what I've been told, that he's on a season long loan. We paid for a season-long loan, and he can't go anywhere unless stay to buy, stay to buy Um So Sadibi looks a player. Just hope he can, you know, keep it open. I don't want to say yet. Let's sign him now because you know he's just it's just form at the moment. He needs to be mm. doing this this type of thing on a consistent basis. And when I say consistent, I mean you know f- for the season. You know, hopefully, if if the time comes that we are gonna throw a bid in you know the valuation won't won't be up too much but I think it's strange that the you know it's Monaco isn't it Monaco, Monaco yeah I've let a player of his you know what you would see as a quality player go they're not doing great in the league themselves so they've had a lot of financial problems haven't they, I think, have they? over the last couple of years yeah, and yeah. I think. so I think he looks a player and he, he should he's definitely warranted a place ahead yeah Coleman. I think the big the big thing for me the weekend was that him seemingly getting the nod over Coleman probably proved that he is now Marco's first choice full back. Yeah. Because I think it probably would have been, it could have been easy for Marco to just stick with Coleman after 
He's proved when, it in the past. Wednesday night, so Silver, I, think, hasn't he? I think for him to get the nod over Coleman, yeah, he's proved that he probably is the first true right back. And you know, let's face it, we need this. We need to look up and get a right back anyway, because Coleman's not got long left. Yeah, so we do need to look up bringing a right back in. And, you know, it could well be next year. That's the Bain and John Joe Kenny are battling out for the the right the right fullback spot. Yeah, but he's not. He's proved it. Like I was saying there about um, with the Bains and Dean situation, yeah, yeah. he's not afraid to change it straight away if he if he needs to. And you know, you have to look at that situation. So absolutely. Okay, last question, um, and it's from Ashley Stewart, our mate from New Zealand, who has actually sent in a picture of his tattoo, and I've got a picture there for you to have a look. But his question is: If Silver was to to go, would you bring back Moyes? I have mixed, real mixed feelings on this because there's a strong part of me that thinks you should never go back. You should never try and reinvent the history of what's what's happened before. Mm-hmm. You should never. You should always look forward and, and try and look at carving something new open. But then you're also looking at it and thinking, well, if we was to sack Marco Silva, how many genuine options is there out there? Is it just an easier point for the club to go back to Moyes because they'll think, well, he knows us. We know him, you know. You, you imagine maybe you no know, Tim Kale would be a part of his his coaching staff and stuff like that. So there'd be some real nostalgia, I think, is the words. Was I have him back? I'd be I'd be pursuing other candidates before I pursue David Moyers. He he would kind of be a last resort option in my in my eyes. You, I mean, you, you probably look if, it, if that is to be the case. You're probably looking at like a till the end of the season contract. Yeah, you? yeah. You, I think you well. You, you would imagine so. I can't see him being given given it on the long, the, the long, the long haul, should we say? But I say I would pursue other options first and pursue other avenues. But if you know it was between him and you know say a David Unsworth or someone like that, then I probably would give Moyes the nod. Okay, um, that's it for your questions and for our questions. Thank you for submitting everyone who's been listening today. We will be back next week. Are we going to be back? How long are you in Barcelona for? I'm back on Monday, so oh, yeah. we can do next Wednesday. We'll, we'll have a look at uh, we'll have a look at the schedule and see what, what they will do for uh, an agenda podcast. Um, quick prediction then before we go, Southampton. What's your prediction? I predicted 2-2 two, two in the fan podcast. I don't think we'll win. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Okay, Connor. Thanks very much for coming on the agenda podcast. I've been Ian Kroll and you've been listening to the Agenda podcast on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.